Hey, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy. We're actually finishing 2 Timothy this morning. We've been a couple of months making our way through it. And uh, we've been looking at this series, looking at this book as just a call to be faithful to your whole journey. That here is Paul at the end of his journey. He knows, he, he knows he's not going to win this trial that he's in. He knows he's going to die soon. And so he's writing, he's writing Timothy, really, a handoff letter you know, that you need to come so that I can see you last time so that you can take my place and this movement can keep forward, keep going forward, which is, which is the, what it's kept doing. You think about that, you and I are here because this thing just kept being passed forward and people accepted it as being passed and then passed it on themselves. The, you know, the pastor that led me to Jesus, someone had passed it on to him and then he didn't keep it, he passed it on to me. And same in your story. And that's where a lot of times the breakdown comes is whatever reason, we don't become part of the handoff to the next generation or to keep the movement going or we don't, we don't uh, keep it going with as much energy. So this is a letter that's just calling for us, for Timothy, to be faithful to his, to his whole journey, to this whole life. And so whether you're near the end of the journey and, and you're gray, you're part of our gray generation here, God is calling us to still stay faithful to, to what it is in this season that he wants us to do. Or whether you're, you're young, as Linda's burden was, and starting out, he's just looking for you to establish things now that will, that will keep you faithful. And so we're in these last verses from in chapter 4, and starting in verse 9, I'm going to go through the end of the, end of the chapter. And for those of us that just like organized thoughts, we like to see people, the thought of, you know, the flow of a thought. This passage is really frustrating. I remember sitting, you know, printing. I usually will print out the passage so that I can just start to write out what I notice about it. And just, I remember sitting there this week and just looking at it and thinking, how does this thing even flow? So this is how these verses strike me. They strike me like a new mother giving instructions to a first-time babysitter. You know, some of you have been there. Okay, this is where the milk is. This is where the diapers are. This is where the... Oh, yeah, and don't forget this. And they're allowed to do this. Now, if the older brother does this, and, and just that flurry of, of things, that's how this passage is going to kind of read to us. So let me start at verse 9. He says, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. And Luke alone is with me. Get Mark, bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Tychius I've sent to Ephesus. And when you come, bring the clothes I left with Carpus at Troas. Oh, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds, but beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. In my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me may not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me, strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We greet Prisca and Aquila, the household of Anesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. So do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends his greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit, and grace be with you. 
I mean, what a great thing when you think about how many of Paul's letters just end with that, grace be with you. What a great, like, lingering thing to have over people. So I was, I was looking at this, at this and just wrestling with the Lord, how do you want us to approach this? What is it you have to say to us out of verses that seem more like housekeeping than anything else? I believe you've, you're calling us to be faithful to our whole journey. We're finishing this up today, so... So important for those of you that aren't involved in serving anywhere to just really weigh out, God, what is faithful going to look like for me right now? What is it you're calling me to faithfully do right now? What is the work that you're calling me to do? And I felt like it's important to kind of get a sense of who's supposed to do the work. Because when it says that God has given gifted people to the body, gifted leadership to the body, it says for this reason, to equip the saints, to equip saved believers, to equip all of us for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That what goes on in this worship service and what goes on in what Pastor Ted and I do should be equipping you to do what God has called you to do, to give you the encouragement or the skills or the insight or whatever that you need so that so you can serve in the places that God has called you to serve. You know, in this place where he's telling him to do what he's supposed to do, just made me think of a, of a quote that we're very familiar with. <laughs> that there's a job that God has given each of us to do. And that job changes in different seasons of our lives. But it's crucially important that we do our job. It's way more important than the patriots doing their job this afternoon because there are, there are eternal ramifications to what we do. And so we're looking just to be faithful to our whole journey. So here's how I felt we should approach these verses, that along the way of your journey, already, unless you were saved in the last month or so, you have met the people of this passage, that a faithful journey is going to encounter these people, or a faithful journey, you're going to be some of these people. And so I, that's why I want to just kind of lift out and let the Holy Spirit help you keep moving whether you've encountered these people or keep moving whether you've become one of these people. And so he says to him, just do your best to come to me soon. And then later on, he's gonna, we're going to see, he's going to say in verse 21, do your best to come before winter. Here's that sense of do your best. Whatever God is calling you to do now, do your best. Have clarity about what it is, but then do your best. And, and along the way, one of the people that you're going to meet is the deserter. Interesting, he starts this whole thing out with, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas, who was pretty close to Paul, and he shows up in several of the letters. He, he shows up in Colossians when he says Luke is here, and, and so is Demas. Demas has a key role in, that he, goes, that he, that he uh, has with Paul on ministry trips and in serving in the different churches. But there are people that just bail, and that's what, that's what uh, Demas has done to Paul. Paul's kind of used to that. Remember chapter 1, when he writes to Timothy, he says to him in, in chapter 1, verse 15, you're aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. Everybody in Asia doesn't want anything to do with me. Not so much the Lord. We don't know whether they've turned to the Lord or just Paul is just too toxic right now in light of the Roman persecution. But he says, among whom are Phygelus and Homogenes. That those two people, Timothy, I think, would read those names and say, what? Not those guys. He's just used 
to being deserted. He's used to being abandoned. We'll talk about that again in, in a couple of minutes. But part of being faithful in a journey is being able to survive people that have deserted you or being able to survive a period where you were the deserter, where, where there was some pull on you that was greater than the pull of Jesus. He says he's, been, he's fallen in love with the world. And so the world is used, that word is used a couple ways in the New Testament. It's used of all of humanity that God deeply loves and gave his son up for. Isn't that John three sixteen? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish but would have eternal life. That's the world of people. Most of the time in the New Testament, when you see the word for the world, it's talking about this world power and this world system that has rejected God and is pushing hard its agenda against God's agenda. And boy, in these days, we just see, in America anyway, we just see that that, that agenda against God is just picking up steam and it's picking up power and influence. That is what Demas has fallen in love with. Because at the core of that world is, is what we want, what I want, and what I think ought to be done, and, and not so much laying my life down for Jesus and for something that's coming later and for an eternal kingdom, but for right now. What was the pull on, on Demas? You know, he doesn't say so much, doesn't say so much that he's gone to Thessalonica to serve, and we don't know whether he's from Thessalonica. Whatever it was, he just thought that Thessalonica was the place to be. What was the pull on him? Might have been a girl. I've seen a lot of girls. And you flip that over, for girls, I've seen a lot of guys that just became the pull away from what God was calling someone to do or someone to be. Just incredible, the power, you know, the power of a, of a relationship like that. I remember having a conversation with, uh, with a young man, actually with a conversation with my younger brother's and he was involved with this great girl, lost, but great girl. And you know how those moments you have, I hope you have a lot of those moments where you just have something to say and you just get a sense that, hey, I think this is what God wants me to say. I just said to him, you know what? If I was Satan and I was coming up with a strategy to sidetrack you, I would bring a girl into your life like this. And just had one of those moments, and you know, it was a couple months later that, yeah, that they became friends and they on, went on to different relationships. And uh, yeah, just in God's kindness, she's now a believer and now they can be great Christian friends. But wait, somewhere along the way, it, a relationship can come in that will pull you away from what Jesus wants. If you're single, you've got to be so aware that that's a, that's a strategy he's used effectively for millenniums. If you're married, you've got to be very aware that he still knows the power of relationships. So maybe it was a relationship with Demas, or maybe it was just that he wanted life to be predictable. Because life with Paul is pretty unpredictable. We're going up here. Remember in Acts 16, he's trying to get into Asia, but God closes that door. So then he just wants to go north, uh, north, and God shuts that door. And then he has a dream that they're going over to Greece. That's kind of how life was for Paul. And wherever they went, there was trouble. And Paul, we'll see in a couple minutes, is going to talk about how often he was beat up. But probably the people around him didn't do that well either. And so maybe Demas just wanted a, a life that's a little more predictable and a little safer and a little more normal. And so he just backed away and he just disappeared. And in, in a faithful journey, you're going to have people like that. 
You're going to have people that go with you some of the way, and then they just don't want to. They just don't want to go your journey anymore. They want to be successful. They want to be comfortable. They want to be whatever it is, but they just don't want to be next to you anymore. And if you're going to be faithful, you've got to keep moving forward in spite of that. Or if you're the Demas and and you just you just checked out for a while, then become faithful again. Just become faithful again and step into this, into this journey and, and into this life that we have. James will talk about the world and will say that it really is either or. James says, you adulterous people, you don't know that friendship with, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That there, you've got two plans that are going in different directions. God's plan is for your good, it's to bring him glory, and it's in light of eternity. The world is more what's good for you right now, where you are the prime and center person. Those are in conflict, and they will always be in conflict. I want you to notice this, this one word in, in this verse. He says, Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me. Because these things are always personal. It's always hard to take people moving on. It's hard not to take that personally, because there is an element where it's personal. Demas, for whatever reason, whether he's decided, whatever reason he's left and decided to leave Jesus, has also left Paul. And, and sometimes we lose people along the way of a faithful journey because people leave their lives and they don't recover from that. I got close to that person, I'm not going to get close to anybody else again. I invested in that person and now they're gone. I'm just not going to do that again. That was too disappointing and too painful. But it was a regular part of Paul's life and it's just a regular part of the faithful journey. We feel that and we sense that and we, we try to move through that and I appreciate, I appreciate um, one of the sisters just putting out bitterness before the Lord because that's what you've got to guard against when people are coming in and out of your life. But I want you to see the next verse in, in this passage of James. He talks about, don't you know that you know, friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God or do you suppose it's to no purpose that the scripture says of God that he earns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us. That God just has a jealousy over you, that he wants you to be yours, holy. He wants you to be his, holy and completely. And he's jealous when anything works its way into your heart or your mind or your schedule that kind of pushes him to the side. So that, that experience, those emotions that we have when people come in and out of our lives, when, you know, whether it's not so much God moving them, it's just them bailing out of our lives. God also has that emotion. To be faithful, you're going to be faithful through the deserters. If you've been a deserter, then just become faithful again. Isn't that one of the things you love about the gospel? Is you can always become faithful again. There's never this moment where God says, you know what, that's 65 times, you know, you're done. I have no more plans for you. He always is what, looking for us to come and be restored, and then to be used again. You're going to meet, you're going to meet Demises, or you're going to become Demas. And then he goes on, and he talks about all these different names, and he does it through this whole section of people that are on assignment. If you're going to live a faithful journey, you're going to watch God move people out of your lives. Demas moves himself out of Paul's life, but other people, God just moves uh, out, of, out of his life and out of circle. And so He's going to keep thinking of these people. He says, Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Luke is there. 
he says in verse 12, Tychus, I've sent to Ephesus. And then he's going to say um, in verse 20 that Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Trophimus who was ill at Miletus. Part of a faithful journey is just allowing God to bring people into your life and then allowing him to move them, giving him that freedom to be Lord and to, be, to, ha to have the freedom of directing this mission as it is. Jesus talked about God, remember, as the Lord of the vineyard that it's like he has this vineyard and he has workers in it and he assigns people to different areas of the vineyard. And so for seasons, we get to work together. You know, in, in, in 1996, when Cindy and I felt a stirring that God wanted us to come back in a city. And so we believed God reassigned us to this part of the vineyard, to Springfield. And, it's, and you've, you've watched that. Some of you were in other churches and you just sensed God moving you. We, want, we always want to make sure people are that God is in that process of moving, and that you're not reacting to something that happened in a, in a bad way, because you don't want to bring that with you. But God is just moving people on assignments, and it's, it can be hard. Again, you get close to people, and then God relocates them. You get close to Jen and Gavin, and then God sends them away just for a year on an internship. <laughs> you know, when we say on assignment, as I'm doing this, I just have to keep checking my heart that God, they are your servants seeking your heart. And I would love it if you bring them back here. But I want more for them just to be where you want them to be. That's how we got to pray. That's hard. Hard for those of you that have gotten close to people along the way, and then God assigns them. But that's how this thing works. On the flip side, a faithful journey is going to always give God the right to assign you, to, to assign you to different ministry in the church. Maybe, no, no, this is all I do. I work with kids. That's where I'm comfortable. I do this, or, or I just cook. That's what I do. That's all I do. A, a faithful journey is going to allow God to reassign you where and what. That's just, that's just how this thing works. One side note that, that I want you to see is when he says at the end of verse 20 that I left Trophimus who was ill at Miletus. It's just something, it's a detail there we need to pick up because there's a false teaching that says that in the, in the cross and the resurrection, the power of sickness was broken, which is true. But the reality that we still endure sickness, that's, that's just as true. Sickness is not going to be washed away until Jesus comes and wipes every tear from our eyes and there's no more death and no more sickness. The false teaching is that there's no, there's no reason for a Christian to be sick. That if you're sick, either there's sin in your life or you don't have enough faith. That's just false teaching that I think is leaving a lot of people carrying a weight of guilt. And when I say that, we're not supposed to accept sickness. We're supposed to, I believe we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray for healing. We believe Jesus, Jesus is who he's always been. He's got power to heal and he calls for us to pray for that. But we don't know who he's going to heal or not. We should, pray as though he's, we should pray as though he's going to heal, he wants to heal. But we have to set that down before and talk about laying things down before him. And here's a verse. Paul, who healed tons of people, left Miletus sick. It just, gives, it just gives you that instance that sickness is not, it's not necessarily a sign that you're out of God's will. Might be, and you should check that, but not necessarily. So, so you'll see that. You'll see that with people on assignment. You'll see that with people that God brings into your life, takes them out, relocates them in all of these areas. You have to give God the freedom to do that. You have to give God the freedom to do that with, with you and with yourself. He says, and you know, we'll see the next book. If, you, if you've got your Bible, you can just turn a page. 
if you get a device, you just scroll down a little. In, in Titus 1.15, he says, um, oh, it's in 5, sorry, Titus 1.5, this is why I left you in Crete. This is why I sent you on this assignment. So that you might put in, you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. People have assignments and they have specific ministries for them. If you've been following Tyler and Crystal Gleaves in, in Nepal, whether you're following them on, on the WhatsApp or following their emails, they went to Nepal because they wanted to reach unreached people. And they're getting their training in Kathmandu in the, in the capital, but with the goal of getting outside the capital to people that haven't been reached with the gospel yet. That's their assignment. And they move to do it. Your assignment may call you to move, it may call you to stay, but there's always an assignment and a faithful journey is going to know what's the assignment for right now. What is it God wants you to do right now in light of who you are? So in light of who you are, introduces you to another person on this way, that along your journey, you're going to encounter skilled people. And so when you read in, in 2 Timothy, you keep going on from people's assignments in verse 11, he says, Luke alone is with me which is good. I mean, you may read that and think, well, thank goodness he's got somebody, somebody with him. But if you think of Paul's story and who he might need with him, you just see the kindness of God that he puts Luke with him. You meet Luke about halfway through the book of Acts. Luke, Luke writes his gospel, the gospel of Luke, and then he writes the book of Acts. In about chapter 15, everything in Acts goes from they did this, they did this, to chapter 16 where we did this where you get a sense, okay, here's where Luke jumps on board. And then in Colossians, it lets you know why this is so important, why it's so significant. He says, Luke, the beloved physician greets you, as does Demas. I mean, if you're living a life like Paul, and if you're having a ministry assignment like Paul, how kind is it that God puts a doctor with you? Because this is Paul's kind of everyday life when he writes to the Corinthians. He, he writes, and Paul knows there's just something wrong about telling everybody everything you've done. There's no need to do that. I, I was reading, I'm reading Proverbs in my quiet time, and this morning I was reading, I think it's in 27, it says, you know, not to praise yourself with your own lips. Let someone else praise you. And that's where Paul is in this. He, the, Corinthians, the Corinthians believed that there were apostles who were better than Paul, and they had teaching that was different, and so Paul's trying to protect the teaching, and so he's got to establish that he's an apostle, he's credible. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Talking like a madman, you know, because he doesn't want to do this. He said, I have far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. You think he might need a personal physician? And yet God will put in your life the people with the skills that you need if you are faithful on your journey. He's going to bring them there. If you are faithful on your journey, he's going to orchestrate what you bring to people's lives. Some of your, sometimes it's just your business skills that someone needs, and God is orchestrating real life. You know, it's not just your Bible knowledge that someone else is going to need. That's also something that he's going to bring along the way. But it might be your knowledge of business, your work experience, your life experience, your parenting experience, your marriage experience, or whatever it is, your recovery experience. All of those skills he's going to bring along the way of a faithful journey for you to pour into someone else's life. That's going to be part of your faithful journey. 
is just using what God has done and what God has given in somebody else's life. Here's Luke, you know, he meets Paul, they go on this ship, and you know what Paul's thing would be? be like everybody else on a missions trip. I don't know how you can use me, but this is what I can do. And Paul says, oh man, am I glad to see you. I've got this broken thing here, or I've got this wound that won't heal on my back. Or what's the best thing to do after you've been beaten again with rods? He's got the man there that, that needs him. Some of you that are, that are not so involved in the church and life has gotten so busy, and I think we need to hear from, from the Lord what he said through Annie, that maybe we need to clear schedules in places so that you can be available for other people's lives or for ministry the way God needs you to be available uh, to other people or to ministry so that you can bring the skills that he's given to you, who you are and what you've done and where your journey's been. You can bring that into other people's lives so that, they, so that they can be faithful in their journey. See, my faithfulness depends on your faithfulness. It's kind of how the body works. Whether you show up in my life and what, what God is calling me to do, the way that he's, he's called you to, to show up. Hey, the next person that you meet along the way of a faithful journey, he says, get Mark and bring him with you for he's very useful to me for ministry. That's great. What a great thing to say about Mark. If you, don't, if you don't know Mark's story, that's just a nice thing to say about that. If you know Mark's story, that's an amazing thing to hear because Mark represents these people in the course of your journey. Mark represents the failures along the way. And some of you need to hear this. We're talking about being faithful to your whole journey. And some of you have stopped your journey. You've stopped serving like you used to. You've stopped growing like you used to because of a failure. Maybe your failure, might be someone else's failure. Because that's the flip side of being in a body of Christ, isn't it? When there's a failure in the body, it affects the body. And so people, you know, if there's a failure in leadership at a church, boy, people get affected and some people get affected for the rest of their lives. That again, that's some of the, the weight of accountability that Pastor Ted and I feel. We realize that what, ha- what we do with our lives what we don't do with our lives is going to have an impact on the whole body that we're going to answer for. And some of you have had a failure moment that you never really recovered from, not so much in serving the Lord. And so when you read that, that he says of John Mark, he's very useful to me for ministry, you've got to realize that, that John Mark, as he, as he was known in the book of Acts, he cost Paul his relationship with his mentor. Barnabas was Paul's mentor. And, and because of Mark, they, they had this huge breakup where they took Mark on, on the first trip they did together and, and Mark just had a blowout. He, whatever, some people feel like he had culture shock. He went the first couple stops on that trip with them and then he, it was too much for him. And he, Paul will use the word, abandoned us or deserted us. And so when Barnabas brings up on their second trip, well, let's give him another chance. Paul didn't want to have anything to do with Mark. And Paul and Barnabas, they will never work again together because of Mark. So huge that at the end of his life and at the end of his ministry, when he's looking for Timothy to come quickly, he's telling him, of all the people you could bring, bring the failure. Because failures never last in the kingdom. I mean, that's, isn't that the great thing about it is that God is always ready to say, okay, well, you did that. Let's just move on from that. Let's learn and let's do what you need to do to make it right, but then let's keep moving on. 
And some of you have stopped because of a failure that someone, someone did to you. Someone didn't, sh- didn't show up. They didn't come through. They abandoned you, whatever it was. And, and you've never gotten over that, and you're not going to trust again. And others of you, you had that failure moment, and you can't get past the guilt of it. But that guilt is not coming from heaven. You know, that guilt, that guilt is coming from the one who constantly accuses us day and night. That's what Revelation says about the devil. The invitation of Jesus is always to come and let me cleanse that and fill that. Actually, it's already cleansed. You're just claiming that, you know. Just let's come and let's learn and let's go. So interesting that he says to him, bring him, because he's very useful for ministry. He's useful to me. That Paul has allowed him to serve again. It's allowed him to have ministry again. So if you're faithful in your whole journey and you've stopped and it's because of someone else, boy, just backtrack that and, and let that go. And, and let people be people and let people be fallen human people so that you can be faithful. And if that's been you, then just claim the forgiveness that's already yours and just turn that over to the grace of God who then uses that for ministry. So I think that's huge. It says in Proverbs, I mentioned that I was reading that, I think it's my Proverbs verses up here. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again. Anybody, anybody bear witness of that? that? Yeah, in the course of the journey, yeah, more than seven. But seven times there, they just keep getting up. They just keep showing up in the, in the recovery group that we have Thursday nights. That's one of Dave Baker's mantras. You just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. That's a lot, of, a lot of our battle. And so you meet the failure, and, and he uses the failure, and then Peter even says to us, don't be surprised at this. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes on you to test you, as though something strange is happening to you. But rejoice, insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, so you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Don't be so surprised. When, when things happen to people or, or when things happen to you. Just continue to move forward in them. Understand that you're just walking the walk that Jesus walked. You're just walking it. We're trying to walk it the way he did. And then he talks about this man, Alexander, the coppersmith, who did me great harm. You can translate that, did me great evil. They did evil intent and evil methods, and he did an evil act. That's kind of what this word carries up. And Paul says, the Lord will report him. The Lord will uh, repay him for what he's done to me. And so along the way of a faithful journey following and serving Jesus, you're going to meet the abuser. You're going to meet the person. Maybe they're outside and and maybe you have a heart for evangelism and and you're out sharing Jesus and you just encounter people that just insult you like Peter said or or just harsh. Maybe they, you know, for our brothers and sisters, this takes on a whole other realm of the abusers. I, I read a... Uh, a summary from Fox News Wednesday in the prayer service um, that there's a, a documentary that's been, been done. We're actually, we're considering showing it in one of our prayer services. Documentary about the church in Iran and just how the church in Iran is exploding because people know the failure uh, of what the Ayatollahs have tried to create in Iran. And so these women, our sisters in Jesus, they say, we know that if we are arrested and sent to prison, we're going to be raped, but we have already decided we've given our bodies to Jesus to just use for the kingdom. 
You can't even get your head around thinking like that in America. But that's just where they, where they live. That's the cost they know. So they differentiate in that between who's a convert and who's a disciple. Because that's how disciples live. And so when Paul talks about Alexander, wow, he was, he was really evil. He was tough. Watch out for you. Watch out for him. You know, there's some Christians, you know, maybe, and I know some, I can think of faces along my journey. They just seem to invite stuff like that on purpose. They, they just, the way they do things or the way they say what they say, they invite rejection. We're not supposed to be that person. We're supposed to be our conversation seasoned with grace with people. But when we encounter, even with that, even with the way Paul spoke to people, there are people that will do evil or they'll just have evil intents around you, maybe lost people where you're working that have just driven you not to be faithful to talk about Jesus anymore or in your family or wherever that is. Somewhere along the way, it's, you are going to, on your faithful journey, you are going to meet Alexander. You are going to meet abusers. And you've got to stay faithful to the journey. Paul has stayed faithful. He's making sure Timothy avoids him, but he's made it through Alexander. And a church life can be really interesting because you can become an abuser when, you, when the right topic comes about. Maybe something just triggers something in you and you just become harsher than you would be normally. So if we're talking about staying faithful and being faithful your whole journey, you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to, to probe that. God, have I ever been that person? Do I, is there stuff I've got to backtrack and make right? Because, because we, could, we could all easily be there, and, and here he is. And when you encounter this person, you have, to just, you have to just keep going. It says of Romans 12, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. You know, notice where Paul says the Lord will repay him. Because if you're going to be faithful, you have to leave that with God. You cannot be getting even with everyone. It says, but leave room for the wrath of the God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. So people wrong you, and sometimes the Spirit will prompt you to, hey, go make that right, and sometimes the Spirit will prompt you to just let the Father handle this, because he will. Because if you get caught up in trying to handle every abuser, you are just going to start feeding bitterness in your heart. You can't avoid that. So, so Paul directs us not to go there. But you have to keep going on, on your side of things. Paul runs into these abusers early on. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, the crowds in this moment, they were all for Paul. They thought he was a god. So they're all celebrating. Paul's trying to convince them, no, I'm not God. I'm trying to tell you about God. And these Jews from, Iconium and, uh, from Antioch and Iconium show up. They persuade the crowds, and they go from your god to your dead. They stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. What do you do in a faithful journey? But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city. And the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. When you meet an abuser, you've got to keep going. And, and I know a lot of your stories. You've encountered abusers in, in different churches. You've encountered abusing moments. You've got to just keep, you've got to keep serving and keep growing in spite of that, and know that God will deal with that, that he will make that right. So the, the, uh, the abuser. Then the, the last group that I feel like you meet here is the ghost. You know, ghosting is lingo. Is a lingo. If, if you're gray-haired, if you're not up on, on how to use iPhone things, my, my son showed me this great uh, YouTube video 
on how to show your parents how to use iPhone, the iPhone, which, which you ought to Google at. I was happy only about a third of it applied to me. And uh, you can ghost someone. How many of you know what ghosting somebody is? Yeah. So you think, I'm, so I'm hip. I know, I understand what ghosting is. Ghosting is when you just cut somebody off. You don't answer their text. You don't answer the email. You don't answer their phone call. If you keep doing that, then that person has become ghosted. They're just unseen. And that's what Paul says. Here he is. He's in Rome. He's, he's in jail. This is probably the, the second time in Philippians. He's in a Roman jail, but he's expecting to get out. Not here. Here he's not expecting to get out. He says in verse 16, At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. See, that's just part of a normal, faithful journey is people deserting you. But he says, nobody stood with me. In a Roman first hearing, they would have a hearing much like our court system. What are the charges? How true are they? Who wants to speak on behalf of the defense? And then the second hearing is all of the evidence. At that first hearing, here's the charges, and nobody stood beside him. That's literal, right? Where does your lawyer stand in court? Right next to you. Right next to you. Nobody stood beside me. I was reading one commentary that said, you were in, you were in the time of Nero, and Nero will be the emperor who puts Paul to death. Nero hated Christians so much that it's more than likely, this commentary said, that he himself is overseeing these hearings. So if Nero, this madman, who would eventually set the city of Rome on fire and blame the Christians, this madman who would stuff Christians into animal skins and sew them up, and then throw them in the Colosseums and let the wild dogs come in and rip them apart. That's the man who's overseeing Paul's hearing. And Paul is wondering, would you please come and stand next to me and admit you also are a Christian and say that I haven't done anything to undermine the Roman Empire? Wow, the ante goes up a little bit than just traveling with him. And nobody showed up when he needed them to show up. In a faithful journey... There are going to be times when you needed people to show up and they're not going to. And you just have to keep being faithful. In a faithful journey, you're going to have times when you knew God wanted you to show up and you didn't. And you're going to have to be able to get past that and just step back into being faithful again. See how it keeps coming back to God is constantly inviting you to to come back in, to be faithful and, and to step into the work. And he's constantly calling us to keep moving Keep moving, no matter whether people show up with us or, or don't. That's Paul, Paul's story. You can watch that all the way through his life. People deserting him, coming back to him, finding out it's too dangerous, it's too lethal to them. It's interesting, it's going to say at the end of the book of Hebrews that Timothy, our brother, has just been released from jail. So whether Timothy goes to Rome and, and he gets arrested, we don't know. We just know that, that people didn't show up. Here's another proverb I came across this week. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. I memorized this a couple years ago in the, in the NIV. The NIV says, many profess faithful love, uh, many profess loyal love, but a faithful friend who can find. That's the experience of, of life. And that's going to be the experience of following Jesus. And you have to stay faithful in, in spite of it. There are all those people. And then he says to Timothy, do your best to come soon. Do your best to come before winter. 
So here's Timothy. Who's the person in, in this letter that Paul really needs? He's the wanted one. He's the needed one. He's the reliable one. And he's the hurrying one. Please come before winter because from November to March, ships didn't go out on the Mediterranean. It was too dangerous. That's what happens at the end of the book of Acts, isn't it? Paul's involved in a shipwreck because they tried to sail then. Would you please come? Because November to March, I might not be here. So you just show up, Timothy, when, when I need you to, you show up when I need you to show up. You show up when, when God needs you to show up. You hurry and you get here. All of this I've written is kind of, unless you don't make it, you know what's going on. And here are things that I need you to do so that you'll be faithful to your whole journey. It might be good for us just to take a, take a while this afternoon or sometime this week, just read the letter to 2 Timothy. Read it in one setting. And what is God saying to you? about your faithful journey, about being faithful to your whole journey and not being satisfied with talking about, well, I used to or someday I'm going to, but being faithful in your whole journey. Remember, this thing started out in chapter one when he writes to him and he tells him about how privileged he is with his godly grandmother and his godly mother. And he said in chapter one and verse six, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. And maybe that's what some of some of us need to do. You need to fan into flame the gift that God has given to you because it's been a while since you used it. It's been a while since you were as hot as you needed to be. Maybe some of you just need to show up strong. He said in chapter 2 and verse 1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, Timothy has to show up red hot. He has to show up strong. And then he has to show up soon because there's not as much time as Timothy would like to think. Maybe that's a good way for us to, to close out 2 Timothy. You've got to show up red hot. You've got you to show up strong with what God's trying to do and what God can do in your life. And you've got to show up soon. You've got to show up soon and not live in someday and not talk about one day past. So let me stand together. Let me just pray over us. We go out into a week of serving him and growing him and and showing up where we, where we need to show up and just being faithful, you know, being faithful to this whole journey. Father, thank you so much that really the call in our lives is just to be faithful. You know, we put so much more on our lives, some of us. Some of us put so little on our lives. But you just call us to be faithful, to allow your spirit to, to work and to speak and to grow what he's trying to grow right now and to use us in ways that he knows we can be used right now. So I just want to pray over us, Father, for those that at one time were red hot, at one time were living in their giftedness, at one time were, were closely connected to the body and to people, and regularly you were using them in people's lives. I just pray that they would allow you to recover that. I want to pray for those, Lord, who feel as though somehow they disqualified themselves or somehow you just can't use them like you used to use them. And we, and we would just confess that that is a lie from the evil kingdom and that it's only, it's only spoken to accomplish the, the agenda of the evil kingdom. So the truth is, the truth that sets free is that in you there is already forgiveness and there is restoration, and there is courage and boldness to be able to do the right thing and whatever amends might need to be made. 
And there is such a light burden in the course of that. So Holy Spirit, would you just speak that into hearts that need that so that they move forward? And Lord, we just pray that we would hear from you, those of us that are busy with your work. Help us to stay in tune with what it is you're having us to do in the moment. Keep us from clinging on to what we've always done or what we're loving to do in this moment so that we are free to be reassigned in whatever way you'd want to reassign us. Your heart is that this thing keeps moving forward, that people continue to become saved and know Jesus. Your, your burden is and your agenda is that people would grow up in Jesus and be released into their own serving. And so here we are. We want to be faithful to that calling on our lives. And so we lay it down in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.